Let's go, let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about miracles. You know, faith releases miracles into our midst. My spiritual father said that faith releases miracles into our midst. The greatest enemies to miracles are these. Human reasoning, or dad used to say, get out of your head. Get out of your head. You've got to get out of the way the reasoning and the thought processes sometimes keep you trapped. I said to somebody recently, I said, listen, you need to think bigger. I was very serious about it. I don't know that they liked it, but I said, you need to think bigger. You're not thinking big enough. And I'm saying that to all of you tonight. If you want to go somewhere with God, you need to think bigger. God is so big. <laughs> I don't think many of us have ever touched into hardly, uh, you know, a tenth of what we could achieve for him. And we found out last night we've got angels that are assistance to us and a benefit to us. You're going to have to employ them. All right. The greatest enemies to miracles are human reasoning and religion. Dr. Summerall said, the love of the world is the barricade keeping Christians out of the supernatural. It, even, brother, it, well, I don't know who wrote this, but this is what it says. Miracle meetings, have to, you have to spend the majority of the services just getting rid of the human reasoning. That's why miracle preachers have to have meetings that last for weeks just to get rid of the human elements hindering miracles. You know, some churches I go in today, they're supposed to be Word of Faith churches, all of them, they claim to be. Hey, yeah, we believe that. But I can't get anything done there. I just can't get anything done. They're just not with me. Even with a few miracles sometimes that happen, they still don't get it. They just, it's foreign to them. Anyway, I'm not mad about it. I just don't care to go back unless God makes me. Because I've got places to go that will receive me. All right, I'm just talking to you. Don't get offended. Okay. Uh, Brother Hagin again says, you don't get miracles by praying. Well, that shoots people in the head. They don't know what to think of that. You get miracles through boldness. Yeah, that's how you get miracles, through boldness. Yeah, praise the Lord. I had a guy in Mexico. I was in Guadalajara, or Guadalajara, for some of you Latin people. And... Uh, I don't know if anybody was with me in that meeting. I, I, I want to say that uh, Mitch and Suzanne were in that meeting with me at, at Pastor Aaron Cobes. Are they in this service tonight? Oh, there you are. Were you in that when that guy growled at me to coming down the aisle? You weren't in that service? There's a guy, well, I was ministering up front, and all of a sudden I looked, there's a guy coming down the center aisle. But he got about halfway to me, started barking like a junkyard dog. I mean, you know, if I hadn't been in faith, it would have scared me, but it didn't. But, I mean, he was howling like a, like a wolf. And four or five ushers jumped to get him before he got. I said, shut up and come out. He took one more step and froze. God put him in a trance. And I walked back to him because he couldn't move. And all of a sudden, all this stuff started coming out of his mouth. It looked like he'd taken some Alka-Seltzer's. This white foam, and when it hit the cement, it, it seemed like it was alive almost. I'm not embellishing this a bit. And I got right up close to him, and he goes, where am I at? And I said, you're in church, and you need Jesus. Give me your hand. He gave me his hand. I prayed a sinner's prayer with him. He received Jesus. 
the next morning, Sunday morning, I, I saw him sitting there and an older couple and then a young lady. The guy I prayed for was about 35. And the devil came out of him, by the way, that night. And he didn't let anything happen to me either. I've had, I've had several people bark and growl at me. Yeah, really, sound like a dog. Isn't that right, Jordan? You remember that old lady in the foyer? Yeah. He came down the foyer. He was about 14 or 15. He's like one of those chatty Cathy. And she's growling at me. I said, shut up, come out. And Jordan came by. He took off down the hallway. And the, her brother was the one that came and said he wanted to, he needed some help. He looked like a biker. He had a bandana. I'd had one of those Wallace with a big chain, you know, had biker boots. Tough guy. And it, big tall guy. And he said, I said, Diana came to get me at 6 o'clock at night. I'm tired. Put a fork in me. I'm done. I said, tell him to go on. I'm not going to fool with him. You know, sometimes you can just say that if you want. And the Lord, the Lord tricked me because he, he ever so sweetly said, you could help him, Michael, if you would. Man. <laughs> Tell him I'll be there in a minute. So I go out and I said, what do you need? And he said, well, my sister's full of the devil and I tried to cast it out of her and it scared the, and he said the word out of me. I liked his genuineness of the moment, even though he said that word, four letter word, you know. I said, well, where is she? She said, in the car, well, go get her. I'll pray for her. I'll cast the devil out of her. She came in, had her little purse. She walked like this. She was a little lady, about 70. She looked at me, and she started barking growling. Jesus' name, come out of her. She fell out, and he said, my God, you've killed her. I said, I didn't kill her. She'll be back. Anyway, praise the Lord. People are funny. How come me to tell that? I think you needed that. I don't know. Healing is the renewal of the body from a diseased condition. But a miracle, and I'm going to talk to you about miracles tonight. A miracle is of the creative order. I, when I was in my uh, first church as a pastor, I was still going to seminary. And... Uh, I read a book by an Episcopalian on being spirit-filled, Dennis, Dennis Bennett, Dennis and Rita Bennett. They had a book called The Holy Spirit and You, a great book. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues two weeks before I graduated. You know, where I went to seminary, Southern Baptist, they didn't believe that. They made fun of that. So the day I started speaking in tongues, that very day, about four or five hours later in the early afternoon, it was on a Saturday, and I had a little girl in my church about 10 years old. Let's call her Rebecca. She'd had tubes put in her ears four times. None of it had worked. All the fluid built up inside her eardrums and were rotting her eardrums. She was losing her hearing. Her mother and dad were going to take her to surgery next Friday. This is a Saturday before that. And they're going to cut her head open like this on both sides and take that out, see if they could fix it. They couldn't even guarantee they'd fix it. So the Lord says to me, Michael, I want you to pray for Rebecca in the morning. I want you to lay hands on her and pray for her, and, and I'm going to heal her. So I called up the parents and told them that. I think they thought I was kidding. I don't know what's the matter with people. Church people are weird sometimes. And I said, I'd like to pray for Rebecca in the morning. Isn't she have, supposed to have surgery next Friday? Yeah, okay. Well, they, she came up front and laid hands on her. 
They took her back Friday. A nurse came out and took her back. Ten minutes later, the two surgeons came out. They said, there's nothing wrong with her. Everything's perfect in there. What happened? I don't think they even told him. He called me that night. He practically cussed me out. The father. I said, are you the dad or not? See, I wasn't as bold as I am today. I'd probably just whipped him over the phone. (laughs) Do that to me, you idiot. Yeah, I'm telling you, that made, that made me hot mad. I said, are you her father or not? You mean you'd rather put your daughter through the surgery and the scarring and the recovery time and then they couldn't even guarantee and she hears perfect and you didn't pay a dime? God did it. I didn't do it. God did it. What's the matter with you? He said, I'm not coming back to your stupid church. I said, good, I don't need you. That's how I handle people sometimes. <laughs> That's a religious spirit. No wonder he was mad at this miracle in his daughter. And you know why all that reared up? Because the devil was trying to back me off of what I just received from the Lord. That was one of the first miracles I'd ever seen. A creative miracle. I mean, they confirmed the surgeons that she's messed up in there. All that moisture has rotted out parts of her inner ear. and They're going to have to do all this repair work. They're not even sure they can let her hear again. Now, Pardon me? Yeah, well, I prayed for uh, Brother Don, Don and Janine had Hodgkin's disease back in Ohio when I was still a Baptist, and God healed him. He even believed my prayer as a Baptist. All right. Now, I wanted to make this comment to you, too. Uh, many times in my ministry, the angels bring parts, like hearts, livers, lungs, prostate, Female parts, male stuff, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes people's teeth have grown out when I prayed for them. I had a lady get a new heart. I have the medical report from the doctor. I've had other people get other body parts. I have, uh, I don't know if uh, she's here tonight. I don't think Kim would be here. This lady was in my church. Her, her daughter goes here. Leslie, is she here tonight? Okay. Eric, you there? Yeah, and she got in the prayer line while I was teaching on angels, and they put the prayer cloth over her, and I was on the platform then, and I could see her hands clearly from the side, and all of a sudden something started going under that prayer cloth or that modesty cloth in her abdomen. You know, for a second I thought, maybe a squirrel's gotten loose or something. <laughs> I must be, you must be getting on me. <laughs> you know, she can be funny. I'm not too, if I tell a joke, it's an accident. <laughs> Just know that. I'm not, I don't like joke telling. I never start a sermon by a joke, ever. Anyway, so I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to run up somebody right after they get off the floor and say, hey, what happened to you? So I waited a couple of weeks. Her name is Kim. I called her in the foyer. I said, Kim, if it's not too personal, and when I prayed for you a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, I was teaching on angels, I saw activity and movement in your lower abdomen. I saw this modesty cloth over you, and I saw your hands your hands were out to the side, but something was going on in here. She said, well, I had some female problems. And she said, when you laid hands on me, I fell out. Two angels flew in. One had, he stuck his hand in me, pulled out the bad part. And the angel on this side had a replacement part and stuck it in me. She's never had another symptom. How do you think of that? Now, you don't have to have no surgery. I can't guarantee that for everybody, but it was true in her case. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, sometimes they bring all kinds of different parts and do different things. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians. 
1 and 5. For our gospel, the gospel that Paul preached, that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, plus Silvanus and Timothy in verse 1, but we're in verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. This word power here, I looked it up in the Greek again today, it means miracle working power. So he's saying the gospel that I preach doesn't come in just word only, but it comes with miracle power in it. Now, some of us in the ministry are more geared that way than others. But even if you were a pastor and a teacher, and you're a good teacher and a good pastor, a good shepherd, you might have some of the things operative in you, but you may not have the same things I have. And that's why I'm in the field today, so I can go to churches and help them if they need my help. And if I can help them, I'll do my best. <laughs> I guess I kind of remind people, I do my best to remind people there's another world. I know more than what I'm teaching now because I'm not pastor and I don't have to teach everybody everything. If that makes sense to you. And so I hone in on the things that I really know something about. And go with that. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians 12. We're talking tonight about miracles. 1 Corinthians 12, the working of miracles. And let's see here. 1 Corinthians 12, first of all, verse 1. I love this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, or the Greek says, things that pertain to the Spirit... Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Of course, the sisterin are included in the brethren, so it's not a male or female thing. But notice it says, now concerning these things, I would not have you ignorant. One translation says, I would not have you misinformed, or I would not have you uh, to not understand this. It's important that we understand it. And these things are for now. <laughs> People say, well, the gifts of the Spirit are done away with. How do you do away with now? And then now, and then now it's now, and then now it's now, now. Yeah. You listen to me? It's now is right now. Yeah. So then he goes on, verse 7, but the manifestation, that word means appearing of the Spirit through these gifts, is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith, or it should read special faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, that should be in the plural, and to another the working of miracles. So some of us have those gifts in us or different variation of those gifts, the working of miracles. That's when somebody is able to work a miracle. Are you listening to me? Let's look down to verse 28 here. And God has set some in the church. Is the church still here? Yeah. So God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets. That's my ministry gift primarily, prophet. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. And then so and so and so. So miracles were set in the church by God Almighty. You think about this. There's churches in this city that hadn't had a miracle in the last 60 years. And they don't even realize it. There's a whole denomination called the something of Christ. I don't think they even know what that word means. The word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So I'm trying to show you here the working of miracles is in the church and it's in the church now for those that are operative in that gift. Okay. And look at verse 29. I'm going to read something in this that's not here, but it's going to be evident for you. Are all apostles? No, but some are. Are all prophets? No, but some are. 
I am. Are all teachers? No, but some are. Are all workers of miracles? No, but some are. So we see here there are things given to different ones of us to get things done. And we must respond to the Holy Spirit when He's moving. The best thing I can tell you to do is shut your brain off if that's possible. And just listen to me. Let, that, let those words get in your spirit and feed you tonight. And if you need a miracle, you can have a miracle. You know, it's not just my faith going to do it. I haven't got time to go to Romans 1, but it says, the mutual faith both of you and me. You have faith to receive, and I'll have faith to distribute or release it. Now, if somebody's really young in the Lord and hadn't been taught anything, sometimes I can carry them in a moment of time. But they, you know, you're in a different realm than them, and they're not really too hip on what you're saying. Sometimes the Lord let my faith cover them, at least momentarily, but it won't last forever. That's so why I tell my people, the people when I pastored here, if you're with me five, six, seven, eight, nine years, and you haven't learned something, you get in trouble, then I always can't get everything off of you that I got off of you the first three or four years. Yeah. Because you didn't pay attention. You didn't study to show yourself approved. I did my study and you should have picked up from that and went forward. And some of them even gave me all the answers I would have gave if I was in their place. You know, when I talked to them about because things were, were terminal. If they didn't get it turned, they were, they were going to bury them. Yeah. <clears throat> some of them had stacks, you know, of my notes at home. Yeah. Didn't do them a bit of good. Because they didn't act on the Word. And I'm, I don't say this to be smart, but I think about my faith every day. I don't know about everybody else. That's one thing I don't neglect. My faith, I think about it every day. And I examine the things I'm believing God for. And if I feel, if I even smell a little unbelief, I jump right on that. You know what I mean by that? I say, what's wrong here? And he said, well, you quit talking your faith right here. You're speaking faith about all this, but here you're talking unbelief and doubt. Stop that. Get back in that word, Michael. <laughs> All right. You must respond to the Holy Ghost when he is moving. Now, Helen, Helen Ziegler, are you here tonight? Where are you at, Helen? Huh? Oh, okay. She's back in the back. Oh, at home with Michael, your son. Helen's a surgical nurse. She was for 35 years. She had a tumor growing in the back of her throat, some kind of uh, tumor or cyst. She got in the prayer line one Sunday morning. I said, I cursed that thing, commanded it to disappear, and went on down through the line. And she came back that night. Jim's married to her. He knows what I'm She said, I went home. She raised her hand on a Sunday night. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night. And they always sit right over here. And she raised her hand and said, can I say something? I said, sure. She said, I had this thing growing that I told you about this morning. I went home and ate lunch, laid down for a nap, woke up, and it was gone. It just disappeared. Where'd it go? Don't try to find it. It's gone. Swallowed up of life. All right. So we're, we're talking about something here. Here's something else about uh, miracles. Miracles defy reason. See, that's why I say you've got to get out of your head and to get into miracles. Because your head would say, there's no way about a lot of things. But there's always a way in the anointing. And if we factor in that anointing, it changes the whole dynamics of that situation that the anointing could do all kinds of things that you and I can't do without it it also means an explosion of energy I had a man come to our well he called first to Donna my secretary she's sitting back here and he said I want to talk to Mike 
And Donna Weiss said, you mean Dr. Jacobs? He said, yeah, is that what he's called? She said, that's what we call him. Well, I, she said, what can I help you with, sir? Well, I want to, want to go to lunch with him. And she said, Wisey, do, do you know him? No. Nope. Does he know you? I don't think so. And she said, well, I'll ask him and I'll call you back. Of course, I said no, because, you know, I don't know the guy, and I kind of get this feeling from people that do me that way. They want to take me to lunch and tell me the whole thing about every surgery, how many stitches they had, how many yeah. days they were in recovery. and. I don't need to know what you're going through. You need to know what I know to get out of it. I'm not being rude. Jesus felt the same way. And sometimes he had to leave people like they were because they weren't going to change. So I said, you tell him we have healing school every Tuesday night back in those days. Every Tuesday night I preached healing from this pulpit and ministered to the sick. But you tell him I said this, if he's not in his seat by the time I get up to preach and he comes forward to get prayed for, I'm not going to pray for him. Because if he ain't got time to hear the word, then I don't have time to fool with him. Yeah. Any Tuesday you want to come, brother, I'll be glad to pray. So he came. And he came down this aisle right here. I'll never forget it. I said, hey, the guy with the prostate cancer, are you here? And he went this way from the back. I said, come on up here. And I laid hands on him, and it's like somebody threw a grenade. This front row fell out. This row fell out. Part of the second row fell out. And I threw it. It was thrown back. We had steps in different than that. I fell back against the platform. I mean, it was powerful. See, an explosion, working in America, is an explosion of almightiness. That's really what that means. Amen. And it was like somebody threw a grenade. We didn't get injured, but the power of that thing just shooted, shot us back. He came back two weeks later and said, you remember me? I said, no, should I? I wasn't being rude. I just didn't recognize. He said, no, I'm the guy with the prostate cancer. I said, well, what's happening? I went back to the doctor. He said, it's gone. Amen. That's what we were shooting for. You remember that, right? Okay. Hey. All right. A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. Let's, let's go over here to the book of Acts a minute. Acts 15. Go with me there. I'm going to share some other scriptures with you. And then I'm going to, if you'll give me permission, I'm going to read some people's stories. My wife said this meeting was about stories. Telling your story. So I've got stories to tell here of all kinds of wonderful miracles. And this is just a short stack of what we have. I'm not bragging, but um, I think if God heals you, it's worth writing it down. Because <laughs> sometimes you forget things. You know, I ministered to a gentleman. I was at Pastor Hernandez's church. He pastors in Olathe, Kansas. He's has a Spanish-speaking church. He's Spanish himself, a Mexican by birth. And I, w- I was standing here, and he was standing there interpreting, and I couldn't get started. I just felt like I wasn't figuring out where to go when I got up to preach. And I, got, I grabbed his arm and said, hold up a minute. I knew that God's trying to get something over to me. and I, Somebody here has elevated fluid levels in your liver. Then my mind kicked in. I said, oh, my gosh, what did I say? And the guy right here. Pastor Philip Steele was in that meeting. He's like me. He was an ex-drug addict. He was at the hospital that day. It was a Friday night, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The guy did some checks on his liver. He said, you're in trouble. You have elevated fluid levels in your liver. I want you to come back Monday. I want to retest you because you're in big trouble, buddy. And I said the same thing the doctor said. He told me that eventually. He jumped up and came over and said, well, that's me. I laid hands on him. He fell out. He went back Monday. And the doctor said, somebody up there likes you. 
meaning God took care of it. He waited eight months to call me. Finally, I said, hey, what took you so long? <laughs> Are you listening? And let me read a couple verses from Acts. It'll help us set us a tone. Acts 15, verse 12. Look at this. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. I want you to know something here that's important. God did it through them. God didn't do it without them. They didn't do it without God. Because we're co-laborers with him. Mm-hmm. Signs and uh, miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Now let's go over here to Acts 19 a minute. I'm talking to you about miracles still. I'm talking to you about working of miracles. Chapter 19 of Acts verse 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles. You know, I read that the first time I thought, well, I thought all miracles were special, but this says special miracle. It's really a better word for it. extraordinary miracles. I don't know what sort that would be, but it seems like it'd be out there. Yeah. Extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body went, brought, were, were brought under the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. I had a lady in my church, she was here for a while, Ernestine Smith. Some of you remember her. She had a sister, went through a terrible divorce in New York. She ended up in the state mental hospital there, nervous breakdown. She had two children. Her husband got custody. I don't know who did what to whom. I don't care. But Ernestine came to me and said, Dr. Jacobs, would you pray over a prayer call for my sister? I said, what makes you think it's going to get to her? Well, my mother lives there. I'll send it to her. And she goes in and visits her. She'll pin it on her gown. I said, okay, if you can guarantee that'll get to her, I'll be glad to pray. And I prayed over a prayer cloth. She sent it to her mother. Her mother went in and pinned it. Within three days, she started becoming normal. She'd been in there over a year. She got out of the mental hospital, state mental hospital. I've been in the state mental hospital, not as a patient, but I've been there to visit people. It is no picnic. And then there's private hospitals that are a little nicer, but still it's messed up. So <laughs> she became normal, got out of the state mental hospital, went back and got educated, got a job, went back to the same judge and a year later and got joint custody of those children. I'd say that prayer cloth worked. Because they probably had, on, had her on some heavy-duty meds. When you, if you're a patient in those places, they drug you up pretty good. But anyway, then I remember praying for, I was in Columbia, South America, and the lady said, would you pray for my neighbor's child? It's a baby and it has bladder problems. They're going to have to operate on it. So I prayed over a cloth, and the lady came back a few days, said they took the baby in, it's all right. Didn't have need surgery or nothing. Then we've had some success, and I don't remember when it was. In the last two or three years, I got some prayer cloths in here. I just, the Lord told me to do that, and I prayed over them on a Wednesday night. Well, it had to have been four or five years ago, maybe. And I got, I got 20 words of knowledge. Never had that happen like that about prayer cloths. Yeah. Kidneys, lungs, just all kinds of stuff. It's a different thing, see. See, I'd never even considered that he could do that over prayer cloths fully like that. But anyway, so it says that the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now notice again, God did it by the hands of Paul. See, you know, I have a laying on a hands ministry. I didn't ask for it. I don't mean just lay hands on the sick and then recover. I have an anointing 
that God endowed me with to lay my hands on people and transmit things. Sometimes I could get it to them by speaking, that's true. But more often than not, God wants me to put my hands on people and transmit the healing power that's in my hands. It's not my power. It's that anointing. You know, I've only been able to get myself healed from my own hands one time. I thought you'd like to know that. If I get sick, I've got to believe God like everybody else with my faith or go to somebody else that's got an anointing that could minister to me. Just thought you might need to know that little information there. All right. Here's one of these in Long Island, New York. I was there a few years ago. My name is Maureen Mueller. I'm 30 years old and been saved a little over two years. Have had depression most of my life and been on Prozac since I was 25 years old. And at 29 years old, Dr. Jacobs came to my church to minister and laid hands on me. And since then, I've been free from depression and Prozac. Now, I didn't know that happened because I went two years in a row. And the second year I went, she came to me after a meeting. Uh, They were in like a school with a platform, but I was down here preaching. She said, can I talk to you a minute, Dr. Jacobs? I said, sure, what's up? And she told me that. And I said, would you go out to my book table, get a card, and write that down? So, and I said, now, what did I pray for you? You prayed for me about depression. And I wanted to be sure because I never tell people, listen, I never tell people, throw your medicine away, take your glasses off and stomp on them. Because you'll be back at the eye care place in two days because you can't see nothing. Just, you know, you know, I'm not a nut. But I said, I didn't tell you to throw your medicine away, did did I? I said, no, but I didn't need it. Okay, you woke up the next day and you were totally free? Yep. And you haven't had any since then? Nope. So I'm on an airplane. The guy sits down by me. He says, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. What do you do? He said, I'm a pharmacist. You're just the guy I'm looking for. I told him Maureen's story because somebody else had told me it'd take her, take her 12 weeks to back her off this medicine or she'll have a nervous breakdown. Because when you take antidepressants, I know enough about some of that, it fools with your chemistry in your brain. Yeah. And, you, and she said, well, you didn't tell me the dosage, but... Even whatever dose she was on, it was fully saturated her system. And to go cold turkey off of it, he said, I think personally as a pharmacist, scientist, that's a bigger miracle than the depression. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, pretty good. She got two miracles all at the same time. You know the anointing can do that? <laughs> I just love to tell that story about Maureen. Here's somebody named Dale Tiller. Where are you at, Dale? You here tonight? He's back here. In December 2017, I had a heart attack. You don't mind me giving some stories, do you? I had a heart attack. Dr. Jacobs prayed for me and said I would live and not die. And I wasn't even here that day. He had a heart attack right back there in the office with Jordan. He came in. He was stumbling, and Jordan kind of caught him so he didn't fall on the coffee table in there and put him, laid him on the couch. And we had a nurse here, and she came back and, and told him, you need to go to the hospital right now. And he was going to have somebody. He said, no, you're gonna, we're going to call an ambulance. And, you know, he's having a heart attack. She knew it. But anyway, he, was, he went to the hospital, and they did a stent in there. And then he said, the doctor said, there's another, you got another blockage at 70 or 80%, and still a third blockage is 40%. But the other blockage would need to be addressed at another later time. So in March of 2019, I began to have heart attack symptoms again. I was put on medication to relieve the pain, but the medication gave me symptoms that was Untolerable. Sometimes the medicine's worse than the symptom. 
during Dr. Jacobs' May conference of that year, 2019, 2019, he called for people who needed a miracle. I went up and Dr. Jacobs prayed for me. And the next week I was going to the hospital to have that other stent put in that artery with the 70 to 80% blockage. And the doctor said he does not see the blockage the other doctor had seen. He said, you don't see us. He said, you don't need a stent. Your arteries look great. No stent needed. He got a Roto-Rooter job. You know, Roto-Rooter. Here's a lady, uh, Betsy. She's from Illinois, Chicago, over by Gerald there somewhere. Dr. Jacobs laid hands on me last year at the Abundant Life Church. That was on a Sunday, and on Monday I was completely healed from a double hernia that was painful for a year. The hernia, was the hernia was caused by two surgeries. On that Monday morning, I prayed for a Sunday. On that Monday morning, I went to the health club, worked out for an hour, Zumba dance. I don't know what that is, but she's moving. <laughs> and, and shopped at Costco and lifted heavy items home, and I've not had any pain since. <laughs> oh, I just love what I do. This is Joe Ruder. Joe, lift your hand. I said something about hepatitis with him. This is the report as from him. He said, Dear Pastor, I have the pleasure of sharing testimony of a miracle healing I received from Jesus Christ through your ministry. He gave the right proper thing. It's Jesus Christ that did it. I, he just used me. I was a UPS guy or FedEx or wherever you work. Would you like me to say that? Okay. <laughs> In 2003, I was diagnosed with hepatitis C after having some blood work done. At that time, I didn't even know what it was. The doctor explained to me that hepatitis C is a blood virus which attacks the liver and other organs with no present cure medically. He explained it could be fatal. After a review of my past, he concluded that I'd contracted the virus through intravenous shooting drugs. That doctor's recommendation was immediate treatments of inferon, which is an equivalent to chemotherapy. I shared my faith with him and told him I believe God would heal me. God has already delivered me from alcoholism and drug addiction. Same for me. The doctor set me up for a liver biopsy and scheduled inferon treatments. I was sure that God would make a way and I would not have to go through all that. After hearing those report, I came to you, Pastor, and asked you to pray for me and agree with me that I would be healed. You laid hands on me, prayed the prayer of faith, plead, plead, pleaded the blood of Jesus over me and gave me scriptures to stand on. Joel 3.21. I gave you the wrong reference. It's Joel 3.21, not 3.16. I will cleanse their blood that was not cleansed. That's a good scripture to stand on if you have any kind of blood issue. Anyway. Let me see here. Let the weak, and then weak, let the weak say they are strong, Joel 3.10. Those two scriptures marked me out of all I prayed and studied. Now I was taking a stand and believing God. It looked in the natural symptoms grew worse. I was attacked with fatigue, mouth sores that caused my lips to swell and bleed, pain in every tissue and organ of my body. I was bedridden for two weeks during which time I listened, listen to this, I listened to your healing tapes and CDs and faith came. You know, that's what you should do if you're going to be home and you shouldn't be sucking up on the TV stuff. Like Pastor Debbie told us, that stuff will kill you. Yeah. I mean, it gets in your mind so much it don't take anything. Yeah. They got a little dog and pony show at the end of all those big news people at the end show somebody that got something. But it's just silliness. Everything else is damnation and hell and we're all going there, you know, type of thing. Yeah. It's just pitiful. You, you irritate about it? I sure am. Yeah. 
He said, uh, faith came, praise God, my wife and I had enough and wouldn't settle for anything other than total victory. Within two weeks, things started to move and my <coughs> healing began to manifest. I went back to the doctor to get the results of the liver biopsy and I was going, I would begin the infron treatment. I looked at him and gave, he said, he said, I gave, he said, I said to the doctor, give me the news, doc. He said, you're the luckiest man on earth. There's no trace of hepatitis C in your blood anymore. I said, I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. He said, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> See, you know, I, I love doctors. They're good people. and We're very committed people. We have doctors in this church and a lot of medical people, nurses and things like that. And I praise God for them. But sometimes, you know, they're only looking at what they can feel or see in a machine or, and that's all. So this is a lady from Illinois too. I was suffering with severe knee pain in both knees. The pain made it hard for me to work, excuse me, hard for me to walk. I went to the doctor and he told me I needed two total knee replacements. That was two weeks before you came to our church. And you asked if there was anyone here having pain in their knees to come forward for prayer. I went up and you laid hands on me. I felt uh, heat go into both of my knees. After that, I was able to bend and walk without pain. That was four years ago, and I'm still pain-free. And no knee replacement. Now, this just happened this year in a meeting down in Tennessee in Cookville. Cookville. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think that sounds like Tennessee Cookville. And... Um, this young man, he was from another church that I normally don't go to. I did go to the church just recently, though, and he's telling me about it. He says, I was a junior in high school. I had nine cysts on my backside, on his rear inside. It's kind of pathetic when you listen to this story here. They were very embarrassing and painful. The symptoms are bleeding and pus. Now, he said, I was a junior in high school, Dr. Jenkins. You can imagine how embarrassed I would be. I smelled bad to be around, and I had this issue on my backside, and I had no way to get that off. He said uh, he went through surgery. Uh, okay, he went to the hospital and had them removed. This was 2014. <clears throat> In December 2019, the symptoms came back, and we were ready to go to the hospital. Even though my faith uh, was that it would be supernaturally healed, I heard Dr. Jacobs was coming in February, and that was all I needed. I set my faith to it, and I said, when Dr. Jacobs lays hands on me, I, I will be healed. And when he prayed for me, I like what he says, I didn't feel anything. But I kept my faith up, and the next day I had no symptoms, and everything was gone. <laughs> he had nine cysts on his backside. So ble they're just bleeding and all kinds of things. All that was wiped away. Just hallelujah. And there's, you don't mind me reading these, do you? I'm just trying to help you. Then you may not have the same thing, but whatever you got, God can take care of that. This was uh, Pastor Luke Hobbs' sister, Rochelle. She's a nurse practitioner today. She's a very smart lady with medical stuff. In 2010, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. They took me to surgery to operate on me, only to remove a small section of it for diagnostic purposes. My brother Luke, Luke Pastor Luke, uh, brought me a prayer cloth that Dr. Jacobs had anointed for me to receive healing. I placed it on the side of my cancer. I instructed the nurse not to remove it for any reason. They left it there the entire time. Two weeks later, I had a nuclear study. I, I would say that's probably a high-tech thing uh, that revealed no cancer. She said, I had no radiation, no chemotherapy, and no mastectomy. Just the miraculous power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Oh man, praise God. You'll remember this, Pastor Keith, uh, Pastor Clay Dow down in Nashville. And I don't frisk people when they come up. I'm telling that on purpose. I don't check people out and frisk them, you know, go down their body, especially a woman, but this was a man. But I don't do that after. I just pray for him. You got in line. Said, you got a problem in your back or bones? I don't remember what I said. And this guy got in the prayer line. And when Pastor Keith dismissed us, he said, Dr. Jacobs, go on back to the fellowship hall. This guy started running after me. Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs. Yes, sir. He said, you don't realize, I don't realize what. He said, I'm wearing a body brace, and I've been in pain for eight years. When you laid hands on me, all the pain left. So I said, write me and tell me about it. So he sent me an email. In July of 2007, I broke my back in a four-wheeler accident. I broke six vertebrae, four ribs, and punctured a lung. I've been in constant pain since then. Every day, every day I've been in pain. I went to one of Dr. Jacobs' revival meetings in Nashville 2015 for relief from the arthritic arthritis pain, I immediately felt better, returned to my seat and suddenly realized I was pain-free for the first time in eight years. It's now been over a week and I'm still pain-free. I've since worked in my garden, uh, cut up some fallen trees at the church and still have no pain. I removed my handicap placard from my car. You know you're healed if you do that. Come on now. You're not going to try to wig it with, with into the closest place because you got a placard. Take it off. I can walk. That's really. I remember praying for this lady too. She had a lot of mental issues. A young lady, we'll just give you her first name, Mary. Uh, as I prayed for her, I was in Texas, Silsby, Texas. And I said, what, what, what are you up here for? And she said, depression. And I, and I grabbed her and I said, come out of her. And she was standing there like this. And all of a sudden, this spirit shot out of the side of her rib cage and went through the wall. And she, her eyes got big. What was that? I said, that was the devil. He left you. And she wrote me later to tell me what, she, what had happened to her. She said, I was delivered, July 30th, 2016, I was delivered from severe and overwhelming depression caused by a bipolar disorder. I've been in the mental hospital three times between 2014 and 2016. And I would say she was only 22, 23 years old. I take 15 pills a day for the depression and disorder. That night the Holy Ghost told me I will never have any more episodes again, and my medication is simply a temporary fix. And I happened to call the pastor back six weeks after that to check on her, and he said, she's doing great. She's not on any medication. She's normal. She's normal. She, I said, praise God. Now, just a bit, because I know we've been preaching a while. We'll give you these last two. I've skipped over one. These two are HIV, one male, one female. I prayed for them both in this church. This is the lady, and she had tested at a high level for HIV virus, and when she went back, it says not detectable. And this is a man that had it, had, it was pretty wild, and, he says, and it says on the front, everything is normal and undetectable for him too. They couldn't find it in his blood whatsoever, and they, these are from laboratories, in hospital laboratories that really scrutinize everything they get. So we're just talking to you a minute. Now, I'm not done teaching yet. Just give me a second or two, would you? But I wanted to read some people's stories. It's important to me, if you do get delivered or get healed, to write the little kids' cards out on my table. You don't have to give me everything, you know, about your whole history, but just a few lines that encourages me. And you'd just be surprised when I read these in different meetings. 
Well, Pastor Dennis was with me. I think I have it written down here somewhere. There's a lady from Canada. We were in Lima, Peru. And Dr. Dufresne asked me to take a service. So I took a service and I think I taught on redemption by the blood. And I said I had anointing for bones, for spines and backs. And this lady got in the line. I didn't think anything about it. Then I just laid hands on everybody in the line. I didn't stop and talk to them or anything that I remember. The next morning I'm coming in, walking down the aisle. And I'm in a foreign country that speaks primarily Spanish. They're Peruvian. <laughs> and the lady says, Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs. And I said, yes. I said, well, where are you from? She says, I'm from Canada. I was in your prayer line last night. I said, really? She said, yeah. She said, I had a knot on my spine about that big that radiated pain. And I had scoliosis of the spine. And when you touched me, I didn't feel anything. But when I woke up this morning, my husband checked me. The knot's gone. My spine's straight. So we saw her in the airport. She's getting ready to go to, uh, uh, yeah, back home, wherever that was. Where did I say she is from? Canada. So she's in, Dennis and I are going to another airline. I said, hey, lady with the fixed spine. Right in the airport, people looking at me, what are you talking about? How long had you had that? I was born with it. I'd say she was 33 years old, maybe. God just straightened it, removed that knot and straightened out her spine. Yeah. Let's go to Acts 8 a minute. Let's go, first of all, to Acts 2. Let me just, I'm about ready to stop. I really am. Acts 2.22, look at this first and then we'll go over here to Acts 8 and then we'll be done with the scriptures here and we'll minister to some people. Uh, Acts 2.22, you men of Israel, hear these words. You with me? Acts 2.22, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, you ought to underline that, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did which God did by him. Whatever he did, he said, I have my own self. I can do nothing, but I only do what I see my father do. I only say what my father says. So even Jesus himself, he was a man. I know virgin born, but in his ministry, he was a man that was anointed. And it says that God did these signs and wonders and miracles through him in his life too. Remember Jesus said, the things I do, you can do also. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 8 a minute. And I'm just about done. I'm going to share something here that will help us a little bit. Um, <clears throat> starting in verse 4, Acts 8 and 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And by the way, he wasn't standing on the corner going, Christ, Christ, Christ. No, that means he preached about that anointing that was on Jesus and furthermore was now on Philip to do what he was doing. Yeah. Well, he's going to give us some insight into what he was anointed to do right here. He said, for unclean spirits crying with a loud, he's got a deliverance ministry like I do. Came out of many, not a few, that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. Now, <clears throat> this stood out to me one time, this thing about lame. So I looked it up, and it means uh, when you have a body part, especially a limb, that's disabled or impaired. I had a little boy in my church. Let's call him Tim. He's about 10 years old. His parents, one of them is an EMT guy, driver. That's right, ambulance guy. And his mother is an RN, a registered nurse. They're very medical-minded people. And this little boy, let's call him Tim, 
He had an arm that was like this, and he drugged this leg like that. Muscular dystrophy. About 10 years old. And one day I was preaching faith. I said, if you want to be healed, come on up here. Here came Tim. I laid hands on him and prayed. He said, thanks, Pastor. I got it. I said, you sure do. I knew he had it. He knew he had it. He looked the same when he went back to his seat. But about a month later, <clears throat> he started zipping his own pants. And three or four months later, he started buttoning his shirt. And a year later, he was playing basketball on the junior high team. Sixth grade team, whatever you call that. His leg straightened out. His hand was normal. <laughs> yeah. Woo. I was at Pastor Cowan's church. I don't know when that was, a few years back. And uh, we, I said, he asked me if I'd teach something on uh, continuing the vision. It had to do with people supporting the church. And I taught that when I did. Angels filled up the ceiling of that facility. It's a big church, probably 1,200 people there that day. I don't remember. I didn't count them. But after I released those angels to go get the finances for people to help the vision of the house be fulfilled like Pastor Debbie was teaching us this morning. <laughs> you know, there's provision. That's pro for the vision that you have. God will, if God's told you something, he'll do it. I know Pastor Keith over here wouldn't mind me saying, he called one time and said, you know, they won't loan me any money at the bank. And so, you know, he was just talking. I'm his dad, and I, I want him to talk to me. I want people to tell me things if they need help. And I said, I said, I got one question for you, Pastor. Did God tell you to build the building? Yes, sir. I said, then build the building. Anything else? Nope. Okay, I'll see you later. I mean, we just didn't talk chit-chat that day. I just said, build the building. If God told you to build the building, then in other words, I'm saying there's going to be somebody, though you go through 50 no's, you'll get a one yes. And he built the building. He sold the building. Now he's building another building. He's got two churches in Nashville now. He's a wonderful son, too. All of my sons are wonderful. And daughters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 